BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, May 21st, 2020. Headlines in my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered as always. Bare face and bounce, rep booted for going sans mask. Of course, that's about the state rep Darren Bailey. We've been talking about that a lot obsessively on the show, having so much fun. Big feller, DB, Darren Bailey from downstate Illinois, decided he was above the pandemic. Pandemic couldn't mess with him, try to go on the floor without a mask. And, of course, Michael Joseph Madison doesn't play, and he had him evicted from the floor. Oh, God, a little entertainment in the face of the pandemic. But um, we are going to switch gears a bit here. We may talk a little state news, but mostly uh, local Chicago news and national news with one of my uh, favorite guests. And as I always do in a bonus show, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So d- distinguished guest, introduce yourself. It is Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward. That would be Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, who is uh, commonly known on this show as JT. Welcome back, Jeanette. <laughs> Thanks, man. How have you been through this, well, this, this, this world we've gotten adjusted to? Well, you know, uh, touch wood, I'm safe and sound, and uh, I'm, I'm in my attic overlooking the alley. We've left the Sun-Times building. The last time you were on the show, I believe you were sitting right across. The, no, the last time I actually saw you was at the Promontory when we did that yes, show. Yes, we did. Yes, we killed it on that show, if I must say so, Jeanette Taylor. We did, but we needed to kill it 20 more times so our candidate could make it, but. Yes. That's another story. That is another story. Uh, yes. Our candidate being Bernie Sanders. Moment of silence for Bernie's campaign. Moment of silence passed. I love Bernie Sanders. I'm not backing down on that, Jeanette Taylor. Um, Me neither. Good. And um, I hope Joe Biden. We'll get to Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, Jeanette has got a lot to say about that. Uh, but anyway, the last time you were in the we on the show, we were in my studio. And we could see each other across the table. I love that. But I'm in my uh, attic overlooking the alley. How are you doing, Jeanette? Are you holding up okay? I'm nervous. Um, I'm scared. Um, I'm practicing social distance. Other people aren't. Um, I'm just, I got a lot of concerns and worries, but I'm hopeful. Well, you know, since you raised it, let's just just talk a little bit about uh, the concerns and uh, social distancing, et cetera. We're going to get to, I have a whole list of things I want to talk to Alderman Taylor with. We're going to talk about what's going on in the city council, uh, with the what went down today with the plan commission and the plan for Woodlawn uh, and the whole issue of Alderman and prerogative. We'll talk about some, uh, and as I said before, we'll talk national news. 
uh, talk about what you know what she wants Joe Biden to do and who he wants to pick uh, for vice president. Uh, but Jeanette, let's just talk about the concern. As since the last time we were on the we were together talking, of course the pandemic has hit. Uh, Mayor or Mayor Lightfoot and Governor Pritzker have uh, uh, implemented stay-at-home rules, and they want people to follow them so that we could be safe and sound. And there's been a counterattack from the Republicans, who essentially are saying that we are not at risk and uh, that uh, we should be allowed uh, to leave our homes, go back to work, and the heck with the pandemic. It's only old people that are getting it anyway. That's essentially what the Republicans are saying. Is that what scares you when you think about this? What scares me is that people don't take it serious um, and that Black and Latino folks are are dying at a high rate. And so until it's them, they are not going to take it serious. And so with them rushing to make profits, it bothers me, it scares me, because I'm not, I don't think we're ready to go back. I don't think we know enough. I don't think we've cleaned these establishments. I don't think we've done any of that. But we're so quick to worry about what the profit margin is over people. But until it's folks that are not black and Latino who start to die at a larger uh, number, then they're they're going to go back to business as usual. It's just us. It's just the people they disinvested in and built the communities for free and they mistreated since the conception of America. So, Well, I'll go one step further. I'm going to uh, paraphrase something that Candace Castillo, you know who Candace Castillo is, said when she came on the show. Mm-hmm. We've been quoting her ever since. I hope I've been quoting her accurately, paraphrasing more than quoting. And she noted... Uh, a correlation between when the protest by Republican MAGA hat wearers began was roughly around the time that those first news reports came out that uh, a larger per- percentage of black people were dying than white people uh, for COVID, from COVID-19. And her thought was that the MAGA hat crowd took from that this conclusion that only black people can die from this disease, which is a preposterous notion to take from that uh, information. Don't you agree? I do, but the truth is what it is. And who are the majority of the people who had a pre-existing condition? It's us. Who are the people who don't have access to care, health care? It's us. So why do you think our candidate didn't make it? Because our candidate was saying Medicare for all. Our candidate. Just food for thought. Our candidate being Bernie Sanders again. We're going to get to Bernie Sanders. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somehow or other, Medicare for all. Let's just get this out. Somehow or other, Medicare for all is too radical for Democratic voters in 2020. Boy, it would come in handy right now in the middle of this pandemic. Yes, it would. Because uh, people cannot afford the test. And there are not enough testing sites on the south and west side. So we got people who could potentially be walking around with it and don't know because they, they don't want that bill that comes with the texting. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to some local news. And I know this is on your mind. Uh, there was a, a meeting today, Thursday, of the Plan Commission in the city of Chicago. And it had to do with plans for Woodlawn, uh, plans for the area in and around the 20th Ward. And a lot of our listeners are from out of Chicago, uh, so they don't know exactly what Woodlawn is or they don't know what the 20th Ward is. But it's really important that they understand because really these are universal issues, uh, the whole struggle over how to fairly 
uh, divvy up city funds so uh, it's equitably distributed, uh, how you balance development so it's not just pushing poor people out and bringing uh, wealthier people in. These are, th- these are issues that uh, cities are struggling with all over the country. So, uh, Jeanette, why don't you give people a little lesson as to where Woodlawn is and what kind of community it is? So, Woodlawn is a community that's on the south side of Chicago. Um, it's very close to Lakeshore Drive. Um, historically, um, it's been a black community where regardless of your income, folks were able to stay. And so back in the late 90s, when they did the transformation of Chicago Housing Authority, when they knocked down public housing, Woodlawn was one of the communities where low-income and working families actually took their vouchers and moved. Mm -hmm. And so it's a community of homeowners um, and renters. It used to be a community where we own the institutions. So historically down 63rd and Stony to King Drive, and then on 61st Street from really Stony on to King Drive, we owned the majority of the institutions and you had a, it was really a walkable village. Um, as a kid, you didn't have to go downtown um, to get the things you needed. You could go to 63rd or 61st Street. And so fast forward to, it's adjacent to High Park, um, which is a thriving community where the University of Chicago owns a lot of property and they built their their university and portions of their university actually sits in the 20th Ward. And I can't leave out that it would be the home of the Obama Library. Um, and so I'm side of the Obama Presidential Center. And so you're talking about a community that's went through disinvestment for years um, to the point that back in the 50s and 60s, homes were set on fire. Um, and, and back then, during redlining, we weren't able to get insurance and things like that. And so you got a community that is struggling to get back to what it used to be. And now that that opportunity is happening, the powers of B are saying what they historically say. Anywhere there's investment in the black and brown communities, low, in, low income and working families won't get to stay. Well, that is. So does that paint a picture? Yeah, that it. I put it this way: I agree with pretty much everything you said in that, but they don't publicly state that. And, and this is kind of sort of a struggle I've had in writing about these issues, Jeanette, down through the years. The city of Chicago will never say its intention is to remove poor black people from the city. They don't come out and say that. But in fact, the practical ramifications of the programs, their planning programs, is that Chicago becomes more expensive and poor black people leave the city. That's one of the reasons why there's been such a great migration of black people from the city of Chicago. Um, and we can't afford to stay. Yeah. So what would you like to see happen in Woodlawn, even in the midst of all this development, which has kind of been put on hold by the pandemic, but let's assume that the world as we development has not been, you have, you have a road through Woodlawn. The, the pandemic hasn't stopped that. It's Construction workers are, are considered essential workers, which is why they're building $700,000 homes. Construction has not stopped. In the 20th Ward. That is farthest from the truth. So, no, I said corrected. 
Uh, all right. So let me let me rephrase it. What would you like to see happen going forth uh, to protect the economic interests of people who currently live in Willon? So while we're interested in staying alive, that should be our only that should be the only thing that we're concerned about. Nothing more, nothing less. Build, doing construction is not essential. And so right now we need to concentrate on testing and recovery for the people in the communities. Because the 20th Ward as, as a whole, not just Woodlawn, is made up of Black folks and Latino folks. Part of the ward that I represent is Latino. And so when there's a high concentration of folks who are dying, that should be, the, that should be what we're worried about. But no, we're worried about gentrifying a community and we're not listening to the people who are impacted. We're, we're, we're picking and choosing who we listen to, you know, which uh, isn't fair. And everybody is not computer savvy. Everybody is not Zoom. Everybody does not know how to get on conference calls. And so what's the rush? Why couldn't we wait? All right. Now you're alluding to something, a meeting that took place today at the plan commission. Talk about what would happen at the, this plan commission meeting today. So today at the planning commission meeting, um, they decided to pass a plan in this committee um, that, that ultimately push these, puts these consolidation plans together. And it talks about zoning. So it puts a layer over zoning and it doesn't specify whether they would have to come to this, to myself or the community when it comes to zoning. So there's a, an additional layer there when it comes to zoning. And so over the years, um, Woodlawn has been planned to death. There have been over 20 plans from different organizations to say what they wanted to see in the community. And I respect the planning commission for taking those plans and kind of put them together. My struggle is us moving forward without having more input and without us having more conversations about what this layer of zoning will do. And so um, today I'm disappointed um, in some of my coworkers and folks from the city for me just saying, let's, let's just put a freeze on it. Let's hold on. And so because they are commissioners and they have power, they were able to do it. But in a normal time, if the alderman who represents the majority of the ward is in their favor for it, the right thing to say is, how do we work to get there? Mm -hmm. so, and basically that didn't happen today. So in other words, because of uh, the, the, the matter We're approved. interested in making developers rich, and we don't care about the people, basically. Uh, so in other words, uh, the result of what they did today, what the Planning Commission did today, uh, is that they took away, uh, they, they undercut your influence over individual zoning matters uh, by putting a master plan over Woodlawn so that it would be easier to approve deals and projects that you might not necessarily support. Am I correct in that, Jeanette? Agreed. That's definitely what happened. Uh, so less control and influence and say for the aldermen, in, in this case you, and more say and influence for the mayor's office. Am I correct in that? Correct. You definitely are correct. And so you say you're disappointed with your coworkers. Do you mean by that other aldermen? Is that what you meant by coworkers? I did. So two other aldermen who were who are on the planning commission voted with the planning commission, which is I would never 
come in and make a decision for them about their community. So why do they get to make the decision for mine? Uh, I wouldn't step on any toes about that. You're your own expert. You live in the community. I'm a trust that you're talking to the people in your community and so that you would know best. But that I wasn't given that today. Uh, those two aldermen were who? Let's see, Scott Wagasback and Alderman Sunny. Yeah. And that would be Scott Wagasback from the 32nd Ward in the city of Chicago and Chicago and uh, Alderman Tom Tunney from the 44th Ward. I just just point out Chicago geographically, uh, they are north side wards. Those are north side. Well, definitely they are. Yeah. So it's a t- the west side alderman. He he abstained, and I understand why he abstained because if if I'm bringing up major concerns and my thoughts about let's do something else first and then get back to this and have more conversations, I'm not saying no. I'm saying let's have some conversations. Let's get some more input. Let's have a. I want us to have a a more robust conversation. But of course, when people are are bent on gentrifying your community, that's what they do. Uh, and uh, that I think the West Side Alderman you're alluding to would be Walter Burnett of the 27th Ward, who abstained on that vote. All right. Uh, now, when I think about you, it's funny that I'm having this conversation uh, right after the uh, ESPN documentary about my beloved Chicago Bulls just aired. There's a connection here, mm-hmm. uh, Jeanette. Just follow me on this. It is. Uh, so the Bulls used to play at the Chicago Stadium when, when I was a kid uh, and uh, into the 90s. My beloved Chicago Stadium. I loved the Chicago Stadium. And then in the 90s, they tore it down. They built the United Center. And there was a lot of concern when the United Center was built that it would mm-hmm. uh, spark gentrification that would force many of the uh, it, the the, owner, the homeowners uh, in the area out. It was a black community on the west side. I remember this because I, I wrote about it. And one of the provisions that the United Center agreed to uh, with the residents is that they would protect existing residents from increases in property tax uh, beca- yep. from the gentrification that was sparked by the United Center. And as soon as those homeowners sold, those original homeowners sold and moved, those protections would go away because the notion was whoever bought their property would be wealthy enough to afford the increased property tax. Do you follow what I just said, uh, Jeanette? Mm-hmm. So is is the city of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, are they endorsing a similar type plan to help protect uh, longtime homeowners in Woodlawn from gentrification caused by the Obama Center? No. What they're proposing is it's only going to help 45 homeowners and maybe a thousand uh, residents. The median income for Woodlawn is $28,000. And so if you're proposing um, affordability for people who make $50,000, you've already cut out a good percentage of the people that's already there. And so they are not thinking this through. This is, we're supposed to be able to get together and try to put in protections in place to stop gentrification in the community or slow it down as much as we can. Because the city owns 20% of the vacant land in Woodlawn. So we own 20% of the land and we put a stipulation on how much of it is to be affordable. We can protect more families in the community, but of course, that's not what we want to do. We're not interested in helping the small people. We're not interested in helping poor people, it seems like. And my pushback is that everybody is to be protected. They are building $700,000 homes in my community. I can't even afford to buy. And I just got a raise thanks to the great taxpayers of the city of Chicago. 
choice. I can't afford it. Just imagine what's going to happen to the people who currently planted their roots here. Now, today's action was approved by a body in Chicago called the Plan Commission. Doesn't it ultimately have to be approved by the city council as well? It does. It, it will go to the full council. But the thought that it, we could even go out of the Planning Commission is, is hilarious. When do we go against the person who is elected? And I think people don't put that connection together. They're appointed. I am elected. Well, all right, let's talk about that. So this you're getting at the heart of something called Aldermanor Prerogative. Uh, this is a big mm -hmm. issue in the city of Chicago. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, campaigned on the pledge to get rid of Aldermanor Prerogative. And Aldermanor Prerogative means that local aldermen or alderwomen have uh, the deciding influence, or a important influence, I should say, uh, over zoning matters in their wards because as you put it, they're elected by the people of the ward. So they're, they're the most accountable for the consequences of the development. So this will be a showdown vote in Chicago City Council, Jeanette, on the matter of who has a say in the development of Woodlawn. Who has the most, the major say? The mayor's office or the alderman's office? What kind of appeal are you going to make to your fellow aldermen to uh, get them to vote with you? Basically, that it's my ward and I was elected to represent it and what's right for my ward. <clears throat> That's basically it. it I, I shouldn't have to put on a big fight for a position that I got elected to just like they did. It shouldn't even be a question. If the local alderman is not supporting something, then we should support that alderman. That's what should happen. But it's to your point, we will see. But automatic prerogative has gotten us into a space where there are decisions being made with with city funding, with the care funding, and we get an email on Friday to find out what, what they sent the money on. We have no say. Uh, what you're now alluding to, uh, we'll come back to that, is the vote that the Chicago City Council made uh, to give the mayor extraordinary uh, spending authority on COVID-19-related uh expenses we'll get in uh to that do you do you think you could round up enough votes uh Jeanette to um defeat this zoning plan that just uh, came out of the plan commission do you think you could win over I'm gonna try I'm going to try I was not put in office to sit here and allow my community to be gentrified and us not be part of the decision making and so I'm gonna fight to me when you talk to your fellow aldermen, do they say things to you like, you know, Jen, I would really like to be with you, but I don't want to get the mayor mad at me because I have this plan or that plan or, you know, I just, I cannot afford to have her mad at me. Do they tell you stuff like that? Are they that honest? We've been here a year, so we haven't really come to that type of thing. The stuff that we've been kind of um, supporting each other around are things that have been big. So marijuana, discount with the mayor, the city budget. You know, people are going to, you would hope that people would do right by their community. I am. I can't speak for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Well, I could tell you this right now. I live in the north side of Chicago and have lived in the north side of Chicago since the 1980s when I moved to Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot is exceedingly popular on the north side of Chicago, Jeanette. So when you look at Scotty Wagesback from the 32nd Ward or Tom Tunney from the 44th Ward, they're like, I'm not going to go against Lori Lightfoot. She's so popular. 
Like when I ever, even when I just make little teasing jokes about Lori Lightfoot, I get criticism from my North Side listener. Hey, Ben, go easy on Lori, huh? She's a great mayor. So you got to understand, she's so, now, look, I don't think Scott Wagsback would vote for you on this matter anyway because he's a chairman of a finance committee and he got that position by virtue of Lori Lightfoot. So there's that. But you, I mean, this is what, at this moment, at this in the middle of this COVID crisis, Lori Lightfoot is very popular on the north side of Chicago. Does she have that same popularity in your neck of the woods? <laughs> Did you see the kid that she walked up to and told him they should go home? That should answer your question. No. No, she doesn't have that popularity in our community. And this thing, I mean, if I go on TikTok and make videos, I could probably be popular too. Uh, that is a subtle allusion to a dance video that uh, Lori Lightfoot made. Are you going to comment on her dance moves, Jeanette? She she got a little rhythm. She she, <laughs> she got she got some rhythm. I've been in some spaces with her. We we celebrated um, Christmas together. We've been in some spaces together. She she got moves. But I'm interested in more about how she votes and what she does with this. This is a perfect opportunity for her to make it right in some of these communities that have been disinvested in years. And me and her probably agree on some things, but we disagree on how to get to the end result. And that's something me and her and and people at the city hall are going to have to figure out. We just disagree. I've had conversations with her. Um, not necessarily around this this consolidation plan, but definitely around housing. And we both agree something has to be done. But the what to do is what we kind of are not on the same page on. And what people have to remember is your lived experience makes you who you are. And so I've had to struggle. I've been displaced. I know what that's like. And now that I have money, I'm supposed to forget those very people. I'm not going to do that. I did just point out quickly, uh, uh, Jeanette Taylor was just elected an alderwoman of the uh, 20th Ward, just in the same election, actually, where uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot was elected mayor of the city of Chicago. Uh, So this is really a showdown moment for development uh, in the 20th Ward. And I'm really curious why the same provisions that uh, were passed in connection to the United Center on the near west side are not being considered uh, in Woodlawn on the south side. They're saying the difference is is that the United Center is a for-profit. The Obama Center is a non-profit. Because that was the first thing that I asked for. Could we get um, nine years um, of a property tax-free? Mm-hmm. And I was told no. And that was the reason why. Believe you me, I've sat down and thought this through and not thought this through. And I'm still having conversations with folks around the country on how to make sure that with investment, displacement doesn't come. Yeah, the, the Obama and so Center, I'm doing my homework. Mm-hmm. The, I'm just going to make this point, and we'll move on. The Obama Center may be a, a not-for-profit, but people who give donations to it get uh, uh, tax breaks. So effectively, it is uh, being subsidized by the, the taxpayers. So I don't know. Um, I would like to see the city at least consider the same provision that they considered re- with regard to the United Center. All right, uh, let's move on. Is there anything else you want to say before we move on, Jeanette? You say, well, Ben, I'm sorry. I said, before we move on from local, go to national. Is there anything you want to add before I uh, move on to the national news? Just that when we're talking about the livelihood and making sure that people in Chicago have somewhere to stay, no matter what, um, what, what type of money they make and who they are, 
we got to be willing to fight it out and do that work. And so I'm willing to fight it out. This is, I, I, listen, this is, this is a part of the battle. I mean, but we're in war. And so this is just one step toward us saying what should be done in these communities. And I just want to point out the, uh, the principle of automated prerogative was invoked uh, in about night in about three or four years ago when there was a fight on the northwest side of Chicago against against public housing, against the subsidized housing plan. And the local alderman, mm-hmm. the, the Politano, was against that. And the other alderman voted against the deal on, in, because they wanted to honor uh, Napolitano's wishes. They might have ideologically been against it, but they said, well, he, as the local alderman, uh, bears the consequences for public reaction to it, so we're going to go with him. So it's interesting you had liberals voting against their interest in, in the sake of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, the principle of automated prerogative. We'll, I'm really curious to see if my conservative brothers and sisters in the Chicago City Council will uh, be on Jeanette Taylor's side on this matter, even if they personally are against uh, the ultimate goal, which is to... Uh, protect low-income housing uh, in Woodlawn. So that'll be an interesting little uh, twist in this automatic prerogative debate, Jeanette. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about national politics. When you come on the show, we do a lot of national political talk. Uh, as you said, you were a Bernie Sanders supporter, as was I. I've been dealing with it, uh, Jeanette. I've been dealing, I've been working through this. It's hard. Through. It's hard. Uh, are you ready to jump aboard the Joe Biden bandwagon? No, but I will. <laughs> No, I will not. I'm sorry. I know what my heart is. I'm going to do the right thing because we can't have 45 has done more than his notion of being there. So definitely I'm going to, to exercise my right and I'm going to tell my people to vote for him. But I'm scared. You're scared that uh, am- Biden can't win? Oh, no. I, I believe he can win. I'm scared about what he's going to do when he gets in there. Biden. Oh no, I ain't scared that he can't help. Yeah. Um, hey, that, we see what's happening. We know what he did. We know what he didn't do. And so I'm, I'm nervous about. You know, there are a lot of people who say they're Democratic, but they, they're Democrat, but they do Republican stuff all day long. So, well, what kind of message do you think he can can convey to? Uh, make you less scared, to be more reassuring to you in terms of who he picks for his running mate? He needs to pick somebody who is going to fight. I don't feel like he is a fighter, and we and we need somebody who's going to fight. And so definitely not Kamala. I hope that I'll take Elizabeth Warren any day over her, but definitely not her. Yeah. We already see what prosecutors could do. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, you and I, I think we've been, we've had a few arguments over Kamala Harris. I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid for a while, as you recall. Uh, I think last summer I was really uh, having heavy doses of it. Uh, So you don't think, you don't think she'll be a a powerful force speaking up for communities like your own? You broke up in, what did you say? I say you're uh, not certain that Kamala Harris will be a powerful force speaking up for communities like Woodlawn? No. <laughs> did we forget what, who, who and what Kamala did for our life? Yeah, I think we, 
like, I don't know how we forget. You know what? Back in the day when we used to organize, we used to make these uh, report cards, and they drove me nuts because we would be riding around, walking around Springfield, going to these elected official offices and showing them what they voted on and whether they got an A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We need to do that for people. Whenever people get on the screen or they're on TV or they're giving their elaborate speeches, we need to just pull up their report card. Like, you talk a good game, but what you did for the people wasn't what should have been done. And uh, how would you evaluate Stacey Abrams as a candidate? I like Stacey. I like Stacey. She seems to be people-focused. I like people who talk about how we're bringing the community together, how we're working together, how we're working across generation and race. I like people who talk like that because then I ain't got to worry about them it being about it being about good policy. Uh, so I like Stacey Abrams for that, but definitely not Kamala. No, it's a no for me. And is there anybody else? Stacey, Elizabeth Warren, who else? He said he's going to pick a woman, so... I like Elizabeth. I'll take Elizabeth all day long. If he gets Nina Turner, I'm not going for him. There's a greater likelihood of him selecting me as his running mate than taking Nina Turner. <laughs> okay? <I> would... <laughs> Can't I wish? Can't I be hopeful? Hell, I'm not going to see you, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just the notion of me running for alderman is preposterous. Me running as vice president. First of all, I, don't, I haven't left the house in so long. Jeanette, I'd have to leave my attic. That, that's not working. Uh, of course, Joe Biden's in his basement, so he'd be running in his basement, and I'd be running in my attic. Uh, anybody else you like that you would like to advance? Hmm. I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it. I honestly feel like he, I hope he goes with Elizabeth because over the, the course of the election, I I got to like her. I got to learn a lot more about her. Um, definitely, if Bernie would be there, I would, if it wasn't Nina Turner, I would ask that it be her. But I feel like we need somebody who was going to fight alongside with him to make sure that every day Joe's um, points of being heard. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, uh, one of the, uh, the, the, the tactics that uh, the Republicans are going to play is to try to deny as much as possible a, a vote by mail. Uh, you know, this is a conventional Democratic, uh, excuse me, Republican tactic. They try to keep, uh, limit the amount of votes that uh, Democratic voters have, try to suppress the vote, try to... Uh, undercut efforts to get uh, Democrats to the polls. And uh, that's how they win. That's uh, 101 of the Republican playbook. Do you see this as an important fight to uh, get by vote by mail adopted throughout the country? I think we should. We all at home. We should. This is a way that they can't play with the election, I feel like. I think it's smart for us to do the vote by mail. And I thought that he wants to punish somebody because they're pushing vote by mail is is crazy. Mm-hmm. A lot of our elders, that's the way they're going to be able to vote. People are being at, people are at home. That's the way that they're going to be able to vote. And so why not? Punishing people, that sounds like some control stuff to me, so... All right, and we'll close with this one. And I told you I was going to ask you about this. This is uh, uh, 
uh, an interesting little development in Chicago politics. Willie Wilson, who uh, ran for mayor twice in the city of Chicago, uh, has adopted a new crusade. He's going to stand up for churches and for the rights of churches to be open and have people come in for services uh, during the pandemic. And uh, this is, you know, I'd say it's at the top of his list of uh, uh, of missions right now as he prepares. I don't know if you know this. He's running for uh, Senate uh, on a, as an independent. And uh, so what's your take about uh, Willie Wilson's let's keep the churches open during the pandemic movement? Uh, it's a no. It's a no. I love the Lord. He heard my cry, but I'm sure he asking me to send the church and die. So it's a no. They doing virtual. I see virtual church every day. I see virtual Bible study. Um, I see drive up communion. Where you come up and pick up your cracker in your car. But for us to to put our health at risk to be back in churches, no. And we've seen across the country where folks have have had service, and then the week or two later, somebody's dead. All right, that is Jeanette Taylor, Alderwoman of the 20th Ward. Anything you want to add, Jeanette, before I let you go for the day? I can't wait till I can sit across from you guys again. I'm ready for us to get back to some normal. I am with you 100% on that one. <laughs> we keep talking about, well, the next phase, I guess, is uh, starts in uh, the first week of June. So my uh, my wife, who's a hairdresser, gets gets to go back to work, and uh, Dennis and I, we think we'll. I don't know. I have no idea when this is going to end, but I am looking forward to the day. Yes, indeed, when we're back in the studio, and I'm looking across the table at you, and uh, just like old times. So Jeanette, stay safe, stay sound, and uh, I really appreciate the fight you're doing. You take care. Thanks, Vina. You as well. That's the great Jeanette Taylor. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone.